Welcome to the Refine Your Health podcast with Dr. Dion. I'm a primary care physician, and now I can happily add podcaster. Tune in to each episode to hear great information on improving health outcomes, disease prevention, and overall community health advocacy. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into today's episode to improve your health. Hello, listeners. This is your host, Dr. Dion, and thanks for checking out this episode of Refine Your Health. I really appreciate all of you who have subscribed currently to the podcast, and I hope that you continue to share the podcast with friends and family and encourage them to subscribe as well and encourage them to leave a five-star review on their streaming platform of choice so I can continue to grow the podcast. So let's talk about what we're here for today, and that is National Immunization Awareness Month, and that is currently designated for the month of August. And I know many of you may be thinking, hey, let's talk about more about the COVID vaccine. I won't go into that too much during this podcast episode because I'll be talking about that in a future episode. As well, I want to talk about uh, vaccines that have currently been FDA approved and currently the COVID-19 vaccine is under emergency use authorization. And for those of you who don't know what emergency use authorization is, it is a mechanism to facilitate the availability and use of medical countermeasures, including vaccines like the COVID-19 vaccine during public health emergencies, which we are currently in being that COVID-19 has caused a pandemic. And Under the emergency use authorization, the FDA or the Food and Drug Administration may allow the use of unapproved medical products or unapproved uses of approved medical products in an emergency to diagnose, treat or prevent serious or life threatening diseases or conditions when certain criteria have been met, including that there are no adequate approved and available alternatives. Taking into consideration the input from the Food and Drug Administration, the manufacturers will decide when and whether to submit an emergency use authorization request to the Food and Drug Administration. Once that is submitted, the Food and Drug Administration or the FDA will evaluate an emergency use authorization request and determine whether the relevant criteria are met, taking into account the totality of the scientific evidence about the vaccine that is available to the Food and Drug Administration. So that is currently what we're under regarding the COVID-19 vaccine. So I won't go into detail too much about that vaccine, but based on current reports, I should say that the COVID-19 vaccine is on track to be FDA approved soon, especially within the coming weeks. For this podcast episode, I want to focus more on current vaccinations that are recommended in the U.S. that are currently FDA approved. And based on the vaccinations that are currently recommended, there is a committee called the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices that provides advice and guidance to the director of the Center for Disease Control regarding use of vaccines and related agents for the control of vaccine preventable diseases in the civilian population within the United States. And based on their guidance, I will be discussing further the vaccinations recommended for individuals from birth all the way into adulthood. And since we'll be talking about kids, the American Academy of Pediatrics do follow the recommended guidelines provided by the advisory committee regarding appropriate practices in vaccination. So many of you may be asking why vaccinate? 
So if you vaccinate on time, especially for children, it is essential because it can help provide immunity before children are exposed to potentially life-threatening diseases. And vaccines are tested to ensure that they are safe and effective for children to receive at the recommended ages. And you can also be confident that these vaccines are tested and are proven to be safe and effective in adults as well. So let's discuss a little bit further about the vaccines that are coming among childhood and adolescents. So the first one, let's talk about the diphtheria, tetanus and pertussis vaccine, which is considered DTaP. It protects against three serious diseases. Diphtheria is one of them, and it's a serious infection that causes a thick covering in the back of the nose or throat. And it can lead to difficulty breathing, heart failure, paralysis, and possibly death. The other component of the DTaP vaccine is protection that it provides against is the tetanus. It is a potentially deadly infection that causes painful muscle stiffness and lockjaw. The third condition that the DTaP vaccine typically protects against is whooping cough or better known as pertussis. And pertussis is a highly contagious disease that is known for uncontrollable violent coughing that makes it hard to breathe and it can be deadly for babies. Another important vaccine for children, it is the Haemophilus influenza type B vaccine or Hib. And Hib is a vaccine that protects against the Hib disease, which ranges from mild ear infections to serious bloodstream infections, pneumonia and meningitis. And Hib disease, if you become infected with it, can cause brain damage, hearing loss or even possibly death. Another vaccine many of you probably have heard about as well is the IPV vaccine or polio vaccine, which protects against polio. And polio is a highly infectious disease caused by a virus that can invade the brain and the spinal cord. And if become infected with it, it can lead to lifelong paralysis and potentially death. And for many of you history buffs out there, you already may be aware as well that Franklin D. Roosevelt, our former president of the United States, was diagnosed with polio. Also, there's a vaccine that's important in young children that is called the rotavirus vaccine or RV vaccine, and it protects against a contagious virus that can cause severe diarrhea, often with vomiting, fever, and abdominal pain requiring hospitalization. It is most common in infants and young children. Adults can get it as well, but the symptoms are often milder. Now let's talk about a couple of vaccines that protects against viral infections of the liver. One is the hepatitis B vaccine, and this vaccine protects against the virus hepatitis B that can cause chronic swelling of the liver and possible lifelong complications. The second vaccine is the hepatitis A vaccine, which protects, of course, against hepatitis A, and it helps prevent a serious or contagious liver disease. And the symptoms associated with hepatitis A could be loss of appetite, fatigue, stomach pain, vomiting dark urine, yellowing of the skin and eyes. Infected children may not have symptoms, but may still pass the disease to others, even though they're asymptomatic. Now let's transition more into some of the other vaccines that many of you already are familiar with, and that's the chickenpox or varicella vaccine. And that vaccine protects against chickenpox, which can be a serious and even life-threatening, especially in babies, adults, and people with weakened immune systems. So that phrase that you may have been hearing, immune compromise, those individuals, it, it would be beneficial for them as well to have some type of protection because if they become infected with it, it can 
have serious complications. And some of the symptoms associated with a chicken pox could be fatigue, a fever, and of course, the most familiar finding is the itchy rash of blisters that may develop. The other common vaccine that you may be familiar with as well as the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine or the MMR vaccine. And this vaccine protects against three serious diseases, similar to how the other vaccine, the DTaP that we previously discussed, protects against three serious conditions. So for the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, it protects against, we already talked about, one is the measles virus, and that can cause a fever that can be very high, a distinctive rash, cough, runny nose and red eyes. Sometimes it can cause even diarrhea and an ear infection. But the most concerning thing that it could cause is leads to pneumonia as well as brain damage, deafness, and possibly death. In regards to the second serious disease that it helps protect against is mumps. Mumps typically starts with as a fever, headache, muscle aches, fatigue, and loss of appetite. And it may involve, that's why it's called like mumps because it causes the swollen glands that many people are familiar with that can cause puffy cheeks and a swollen jaw. And mumps is pretty mild and most people can sometimes lead to lasting problems such as deafness, meningitis, a swelling of the brain, of the testicles, ovaries, or breasts. And the third component of the MMR vaccine is rubella, which can cause a rash or fever, but many people have no symptoms. Also, there is the pneumococcal conjugate vaccine or PCV13 is a vaccine that's given to children during this age for protection against the pneumococcal bacteria that is prevalent within this age group to decrease their risk of developing pneumonia, as well as blood infections, and meningitis. Lastly, the vaccine that most individuals are familiar with is the flu vaccine. And the flu vaccine protects against a seasonal risk of infection with flu, which can be potentially serious, contagious respiratory illness caused by influenza virus. And changes in the immune, heart, and lung functions can have an impact from this potential infection. And that's why it's recommended annually because the immunity uh, against the flu virus can wane over time, especially since they have to change the components of the vaccine yearly in order to protect against the different types of flu viruses that may be prevalent during that particular flu season. So now let's talk about the vaccinations that are important during the infant and toddler years. So that's from birth to age two. So vaccinations given at this age help these children get off to a healthy start. And more than one dose is necessary for many vaccines to build and boost these children's immunity. The recommended vaccines for this age group is chickenpox, diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, or the DTaP vaccine, the flu vaccine especially if you're at six months of age or higher, the haemophilus influenza type B vaccine or the Hib vaccine, the hepatitis A vaccine, the hepatitis B vaccine, the MMR or the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, the polio vaccine, the rotavirus vaccine, as well as the pneumococcal vaccine. I want to mention as well, because the influenza virus is constantly changing and the body's immune response declines over time. Everyone over the age of six months needs a flu vaccine every year. And so that's why for this particular age group, you need to be six months and above. 
Now for the age group of preschool and elementary school years, that basically covers the ages three through 10. This particular group has already had many of these vaccines before. So this is what I, I referenced earlier. They'll need multiple doses. So in this particular age group, your your child will need additional doses of some of the previous vaccines. Also, this is the age when most kids go to school or start kindergarten and they will need proof of vaccinations before starting school. And to be honest, for many primary care physicians, or pediatrician offices, this is typically the busiest time of the year, July, August, because a lot of children are presenting to their primary care's office or pediatrician's office to receive vaccinations before starting kindergarten. Before we transition into discussing the preteen and teen years, that would include ages of 11 through 18, I would like to discuss some additional vaccines that are recommended, which will extend protection of some of the childhood vaccines that received previously, but also protect against potential additional infectious risk. So one of the vaccines that is added is the human papillomavirus or the HPV vaccine. This particular vaccine protects against the common infection that causes certain cancers in men and women. While most HPV infections go away on their own, infections that do not go away can cause what we call cancers of the cervix, vagina, and vulva in women. So basically, this helps protect against a particular infection risk that may lead to potential cervical cancer. That's why uh, many women, once they become adults, this is what we screen for, which is the HPV virus, which may place women at particular risk for cervical cancer, especially if they become infected with the high risk strands of HPV. And if HPV doesn't go away in men, it can cause cancers of the penis. Also, cancers of the anus and back of the throat in men and women. And some HPV infections can also cause genital warts. A vaccine that's also given in this age group is the meningococcal conjugate vaccine. And this vaccine protects against some of the types of meningococcal bacteria, which can cause serious and even deadly infections that may include the development of meningitis as well as the blood infections. Another vaccine that's along the meningococcal realm is the sero group B meningococcal vaccine. Some of you may have been seeing the new advertisements for that on TV and the recommendations for that particular vaccine. And the sero B meningococcal vaccine protects against one type of meningococcal bacteria, which can cause serious and even deadly infections and lead to similar results or complications as the meningococcal conjugate vaccine of a meningitis or a blood infection. The additional vaccine is the booster. Many of the 11 and 12 year olds that typically are transitioning to middle school are recommended to have. And that is the Tdap vaccine. That's a booster. We've mentioned in the previous age group, especially the ages between birth and until age 10, the Dtap vaccine that is recommended regarding multiple doses that should be received within that age range. But this is the Tdap is the booster to that particular vaccine that's recommended as children potentially transition from elementary to middle school. Therefore, the recommended vaccines for the preteen and teen years ages 11 through 18 is the flu vaccine. And that's typically recommended every year, especially in the fall, but hopefully before the month of 
October is over that you receive that the flu vaccine and the additional vaccines recommended is what we previously discussed is the HPV vaccine or the human papillomavirus, the meningococcal conjugate vaccine and the zero group B meningococcal vaccine and the Tdap booster. And as your child transitions to college, then you'll need the documentation of their vaccination records as well to make sure that they have these vaccinations up to date on their immunization cards so they'll be able to be admitted into either college or some type of trade school depends on what their secondary level of education will be after high school. And if there's any additional vaccines, especially if these children are or teenagers, I should say, as they transition from high school to college or adulthood is that if they're going to be traveling outside of the United States, it's important to check to see if he or she needs any additional vaccines that will be important to receive prior to going to another country. Let's talk about a particular special population group, and that is pregnant women. And For them, it's recommended that they have the MMR vaccine or the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine at least a month before becoming pregnant, as well as the Tdap booster during the third trimester of their pregnancy and a yearly flu vaccine. And by staying up to date with these vaccines before and during pregnancy, the mother can pass along immunity that will help protect their baby from disease during the first few months after birth. So that's the benefit of receiving these vaccines and vaccines given before pregnancy may help also protect from serious disease while a mother is pregnant, including rubella, which can cause miscarriages and birth defects. For the rest of the adult population outside of pregnancy, everyone should receive a vaccine every year for before the end of October. So like I mentioned earlier, it's during the fall before the end of October, before flu season hits, that is recommended that you receive vaccination annually. Adults will need a tetanus vaccine booster every 10 years. It's not necessarily the Tdap, but it's the tetanus alone. But if you hadn't received the Tdap, In the past, you may need to receive that at least once in the every 10 years that you receive the tetanus booster. Also, there is a vaccine that's recommended in healthy adults 50 years and older, and that is the shingles vaccine. The shingles vaccine helps protect against infection called herpes zoster. And this is a condition that is prevalent in individuals that may have had chicken pox when they were younger. And the rash that develops from this infection is painful. It's a blister type of rash that typically scabs over in seven to 10 days and can clear up within two to four weeks. But many individuals describe the pain as an intense burning sensation. So the shingles vaccine is recommended to protect against this condition. So your risk of getting shingles increases as you get older. Adults over the age of 65 years or older need one dose of the pneumococcal conjugate vaccine. That's the PCV-13 that I discussed earlier. And then followed by one dose of the pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine. And that's also known as PPSV-23. And these Vaccines protect against a broad spectrum of pneumococcal bacteria infections, and it decreases the risk of developing meningitis as well as a bacterial infection within your bloodstream. And as I mentioned previously, the PCV-13 also helps protect against pneumonia. In addition, before I wrap up, adults younger than 65 years of 
age who have certain health conditions such as diabetes, cancer, HIV infection, immune suppression, heart disease should also get one or both of the pneumococcal vaccines previously discussed. But I would say, please discuss with your primary care provider. Adults may need other vaccines based on their health conditions, like I mentioned earlier, as well as job, lifestyle, or travel habits. So I know I provided a lot of information regarding recommended vaccinations for particular age groups. Definitely feel free to go back and listen to it. However, the main thing that I want you to take from this podcast episode is that you as an adult, if you don't have a primary care physician, please establish care with a primary care physician to discuss the recommended vaccines for your particular age group, as well as if your children do not have a pediatrician or a primary care provider to establish care with that particular uh, provider for your children to make sure that they get caught up on their vaccinations as well. However, if there are concerns about the different vaccinations and if it's appropriate for your child or personally for yourself, that's why it's important to have that established relationship with a primary care physician so you can discuss your concerns and to make sure that you're receiving the appropriate vaccinations for your age group and at the appropriate intervals and to overall address the risk and benefits of particular vaccinations as warranted. A quick update before closing out this episode is that since the recording of this particular episode, the COVID-19 vaccine produced by Pfizer has received full FDA approval compared to what I initially mentioned in this podcast episode that it was currently under emergency use authorization. So I hope this has been helpful. Please subscribe if you have not subscribed to the podcast and feel free to share this podcast with friends and family. And please leave a five-star review. This helps me to continue to provide great content for you as well as spread the word about the podcast. And I will make available this adult assessment tool that will be beneficial if you're trying to figure out what vaccinations is recommended for your age group that is provided by the CDC on their website. So please check out that assessment tool when you get a chance. The link will be placed in the show notes. And thanks again for listening to the podcast episode. And until next time, this is your host, Dr. Dion. Take care. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please subscribe and feel free to tell your family and friends to check out the podcast. And remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and the thoughts and opinions do not constitute medical advice.